Welcome to Advantage Over, the podcast for the rugby referee community, or simply those in rugby who want to know more about refereeing. Are you ready? Time on. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Advantage Over podcast. I'm Keith Lewis, your host of this, the only referee-focused podcast out there. Um, We hope you are enjoying the series. If you've been back and had a look at the the first six episodes, um, I hope you got a feel for what we're about. And thank you so much for your comments about our interview uh, two weeks ago with Craig Joubert, um, just off the back of his um, 200th game at the World 7 Series and how he's transitioning into his role. Um, So that is a great episode to go back and listen to if you want to hear from one of the best in the world. Um, we wish him well now he has retired from the game. Um, and we look forward to seeing him um, developing his new administrative role um, with World Rugby. So since that episode, we've had two final weekends of the uh, summer international window concluded. Again, uh, sadly not without controversy and lots of referee-focused issues to discuss and debate. We had the second um, France-New Zealand um, test in New Zealand this this time. We had Benjamin Falls' red card for taking Bowden Barrett out in the air. Um, subsequent overturning of the red card by the independent judicial process. Um, and then World Rugby clarifying the process that actually said that the referee got it right based on the guidelines and um, that the, the, some of the footage that wasn't available or looked at at the time and the TMA review was taken into consideration. So um, just as a reminder, so World Rugby have clarified that the guidelines that we've mostly been operating to, um, the 2016 guidelines about dealing with situations when two players are challenging for the ball in the air, um, are the outcomes that we're looking at are these, these two things. So if a player is not in a realistic position to gather the ball, there is contact and the opponent lands on their back, back or side, that's a yellow card threshold. And if a player is not in a realistic position to gather the ball, there is reckless or deliberate foul play and the player lands in a dangerous position, like neck, head, then we're looking at red card. So what um, the officials saw in the, the clips that they looked at in real time um, was a red card. Um, the subsequent footage that showed that the French player was off balance because of a, a knock in the build-up to it um, deemed that that brought that um, parallel down from red so therefore the red card was expunged. So World Rugby have clarified that. Um, but there's still ongoing debate about how on earth players are supposed to jump for the ball, see who's jumping for the ball, and all that kind of debate that goes on. Um, so and, and that carries on. So I think we just need to be, be clear on what the World Rugby guidelines are on that. Um, go back to the website. There's a piece on the post on, on the website from the 21st looking at refereeing the challenge in the air that clearly sets out what those guidelines are. Um, and then last weekend, the third weekend of the test, again, some more controversy, um, again in the same game, where um, New Zealand were awarded a try when John Lacey um, blocked, and I'm using air quotes that you can't see, um, a defender from potentially making a tackle for the ball for the eventual try scorer. So lots of debate going on there. Um, there's a great piece on the SA Referees website that looks at the law in this case, um, which clearly says that there was no law broken there. Um, what the, the law is really clear about when a referee should blow the whistle to stop play, and that's if the ball carrier um, or the ball touches him. That didn't happen in this case, so there was no reason um, in law um, to, to overturn the try. However, there's also a debate about having reviewed the situation, which again is potentially out of the TMO protocol, um, to debate whether he had blocked that 
to then determine that he hadn't and to and to let the try um, carry on is perhaps an issue that will cause ongoing debate and you need to look at you need to make a decision yourself so in law it's one of those issues that there's no there's no law issue it's very straightforward you play on and um, world rugby has um, reviewed the process lots of international coaches have been involved in that process um, and are now speaking up about it but they've decided not to change the law over the years so that's what the law book says so you can go and have a look at that um, and then you balance out the law situation with the, perhaps the fairness the empathy of that um, situation and what's going on many referees including myself potentially on a community game would probably have stopped play and um, and awarded a scrum to the attacking side but this is international rugby. The players made decisions as well as the referee. The referee was in a really good position, in a normal um, scrum position that most of us would put ourselves into. Um, the French player knew he was there, could see he was there. He's wearing a bright orange shirt and made the decision not to move himself to a better position. So um, lots of ongoing debate. And I think you just need to figure out in your own mind what you would allow within the context of the law and, and the games that you're refereeing to do those things. Um, so have a look at that. Have a look at what the law says. Understand the. Have a look at the debates that are being going on. There's plenty of passion on both sides of it. Um, and determine how you would referee it. So lots of um, more ongoing debate about um, where the laws and world rugby have have left refereeing and the ongoing debates around those issues. Um, that will carry on. Um, I don't um, envisage world rugby doing anything about any of those subjects in this window. There's been a thorough four-year review process looking at the laws of the game um, as we build up to the Rugby World Cup next year and I think World Rugby have been fairly clear that they're not going to change anything up to that point but Brett Gosper who's the CEO of World Rugby has um, on Twitter in the last couple of weeks clarified that of course after every international window there is always a review of everything that goes on um, and they'll be looking at the issues that come up there both from a playing perspective and a refereeing perspective the logistical issues and everything that goes with um, the international games so there will be a review that process that goes on and we'll have to wait and see what comes off the back of that but I personally don't um, think there are there will be any changes to law um, in, in the next couple of months before Rugby World Cup so now we move on. Um, uh, we've just published a post um, yesterday when this podcast goes out on Thursday with the uh, week 17 of the Super Rugby appointments um, are out. So that's back after their weekend, uh, after their international window break. Um, so plenty of action around the Southern Hemisphere, um, including um, a game in Fiji again, who are hosting an all New Zealand clash with Paul Williams in the middle um, over the weekend. So it's good to see Super Rugby taking themselves on tour. Um, there's also a couple of World Cup qualifying process, um, World Cup qualifying matches um, that happen this weekend. There's the Germany Samoa two-legged game. Um, Jerome Garcés is in charge of the first leg in APO in Samoa um, on Saturday. Um, I think Matt Carley is the referee for the second leg in Germany in two weeks time um, so it'll be really interesting to see how that two legs develop particularly after all the controversy about who would be um, the side that is now Germany in that process um, there's also games between the Cook Islands and Hong Kong to determine who will end up in a um, World Cup qualifying repechage tournament later this year in November um, there's also the Africa Gold Cup so still plenty of refereeing um, to be done um, for many in the Northern Hemisphere, we're now in proper off-season, a couple of weeks off before things start all over again. Um, so um, this leads us into our feature 
focus for this episode. So in the past, we've spoken to lots of other referees. We've spoken to international referees. We've spoken to fitness people and um, people all over the world on refereeing matters. I'm going to take a slightly different tack this week. And what we're going to do is I'm going to hopefully... Um, give you a guide as the sorts of um, attributes that we think um, you need to have to become a referee. So perhaps you spent last season umming and ahhing about whether to take up the whistle. Perhaps you're looking at it as a, a new challenge for the coming season. Perhaps you've been inspired by the summer international window and you're thinking, maybe this refereeing lark is for me. Um, so coming up in a moment, um, we run through nine things that we think you need to do um, to have in your armory um, to take up the whistle. I'll explain that again in a minute or so time. Um, so either this next fo- feature is for people you know who are considering refereeing, um, or perhaps those who um, want to use the the next the, the tips and the things to figure out what you want out of your next season as a referee, perhaps to re- hit your reset button to think about the things that make a good referee in our eyes. Whether you meet those, whether there are things you need to work on um, as you head into your new season if you're in the Northern Hemisphere um, or as you perhaps head into the business end of the Southern Hemisphere season. So um, hopefully an interesting um, change of tack for you and please feel free to share this on with anyone you think um, will be um, in the in the idea concept of taking up referees if you think there's someone out that's a friend of yours who's considering taking up the whistle um, let them know about this podcast and please do share it on with anyone else um, you know in the refereeing world Um, as ever we love your feedback so please do let us know Um, drop us a line and in any way shape or form you find ref at rugbyreferee.net is the best way on email Um, you can find us through all our usual social media channels we'll put them in the show notes Um, But do let us know what you think. Um, If you're finding this podcast in Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever it is you might find it, we'd love to get a review from you. Um, So if you find it of use, please, I'd really appreciate it if you spend just a minute or two um, heading over to um, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, wherever it is you find us, and leaving us a quick review so that other people know the value that this podcast brings to your refereeing and your rugby world. So thanks very much for joining us again. We'll head over and have a look at what attributes you need to become a referee. So we're taking a little bit of um, a different tack on this week's podcast. One of the things that we often get asked um, through different social media channels is, um, how do I know if refereeing is right for me? Um, Which is a great question to be asked. It means we've already done the sort of right job in in triggering the interest. Um, So what we thought we'd do today is go through nine things that we think you need to have um, in order to become a referee. Not necessarily a good referee, not necessarily a great referee, but nine things we want you to have to become a referee in the game that we all love. And that is actually the first one. We want you to have a love of the game. I think you need to have a love of the game to dedicate your time um, to giving back to the game as a referee. Um, everyone's got a great story about how they started refereeing. Was it the referee didn't turn up um, and they got lump- lumped in with it? Um, was it the fact that they just fancied get, doing something a bit different of a, of a weekend? They had a um, a bye weekend in terms of the league structure, so they were at a free loose end. And there were some children's matches that need refereeing. So all great stories, and we want you to have that story. And the only reason you're going to do that is if you love the game of rugby. We heard from Greg Joubert in the last episode, um, episode 6. Um, if you go back and listen to Craig's thing, one of the advice he says... Get involved in rugby for the right refer- right reason and get involved in refereeing for the right reason. And that's to give something back and help 
a game of rugby to happen. Um, so that's a really crucial thing we want. We think you should have in order to even start considering refereeing. The second one's a little bit obvious, um, and that's an understanding and appreciation of the laws of the game. Um, and obviously the law book is the law book. Um, there are chunks of it that most referees will know inside out, but there are referees um, at the very top of the game who claim not to have read the law book from cover to cover. It's about an understanding of the laws and what they're trying to, to do. Obviously you need to be on top of um, law variations and clarifications and things like that. Um, so it's a pre understanding and appreciating the laws of the game as they've been written for the game itself. And one of the, the things I often talk about when I'm doing referee training and things like that is that the, the laws of the game often give us grey areas um, in which to operate and, and that can be a good thing and it can cause us a problem at some times but it's understanding what the law was written to do um, what we're in supposed to, how we're supposed to interpret it um, and then how we um, apply the laws of the game to what we've got in front of us so you need to have a good look at the, the laws of the game to understand all those things you need to understand what is against the law and what's um, in the law book um, and then perhaps talk to other referees and, and perhaps through the, f the forums and the, the chat forums on social media and whatever it is you might do to talk to other referees about how you might apply those um, the sort of scenarios you might think about and how you'd apply the law in some of those cases that's a real really crucial part of it and the third point um, that we think you need to have when you're considering taking a referee um, kind of links those two things together so you've got a love of the game you understand and appreciate the laws of the game but you need to understand the game and all the aspects of it and that can take time to develop um, if you've been a player you'll obviously understand the game from your perhaps playing position perspective um, but you need to consider the bigger picture so what is it like what are the understand how's your understanding of the different parts of the game so were you a back do you understand what goes on in the front row in the pack what the different players are trying to to achieve do you understand and, and appreciate the different tactics and the different tackle formations and defensive setups that perhaps um, different areas of the game have and demand and that's of course going to be very different depending on perhaps where you are um, what the, the, the country you're operating is, what the grounds are like, um, what the, the standard of rugby is, and that will differ as you go up the ranks of the refereeing world, no matter where you are. Um, that The game understanding that you will need will differ as you go through your career. So those are three really important parts. A love of the game, an understanding and appreciation of the laws of the game, and an understanding of the game of rugby itself and the game that you're going to be out there um, officiating through. Number four, clearly fitness levels are absolutely crucial. You need to be able to referee a game of rugby. Um, and that will obviously differ depending on the level you're going in at, um, your fitness levels, the, the fitness levels of the players you're refereeing. And let's be, be blunt, there are um, sides out there that's some really good rugby to be refereed that's vets rugby, fourth, fifth club tier uh, levels of rugby that won't be fast flowing rugby it'll be really good and you need to uh, but it still needs refereeing so your fitness levels need to be appropriate to your ambitions and the games you're likely to be refereeing um, and that's obviously a crucial part of it so you obviously need to have a, an element of fitness um, and if you go back to uh, some of our one of our earlier podcasts we spoke to Ross Hambury about fitness and referee fitness and there's plenty of advice out there around the internet as to how you can improve your fitness game as you go through but one of the things that you can do to improve your fitness levels is to referee. Um, being out there for 80 minutes plus on a Saturday 
afternoon, Saturday morning, Friday night, Wednesday, whenever it might be, um, will help develop your match fitness. Um, and some people referee to keep fit and others get fit to referee. And um, there's obviously two different concepts that we might come back to in another podcast later on. But obviously fitness levels, you've got to have enough, a fitness level appropriate to the game that you want to be refereeing. Five might sound like a bit of a strange one from a refereeing perspective, but you've got to have an understanding and a, and a way of developing teamwork. Obviously, for most of us out there refereeing, you're on your own. Um, you're the referee um, on, a, on a, a, a community level game, let's say, without assistant referees, without touch judges, without TMOs, without anyone else to help you. Um, but you still have to get a game of rugby out of that situation. So the teamwork you're going to develop are with the captains, with all the rest of the players, perhaps your pack leader, um, the, the coaches, the off-field coaches, that sort of team, perhaps your assessor or a coach if you've got a referee coach with you as well. Um, and then as you develop, you'll be developing to other sorts of teams, your team of three if you've got assistant referees, a team of four if you've got a number four official or a number five um, if you've got a TMO as well. As well, So that element of teamwork um, is as crucial for us as referees as it is for the players out there as well. Um, so how you develop teams very quickly, because you might be turning up to that game maybe only an hour ahead of kickoff, and you need to develop a great team ethic between you and the two captains at the very least um, to enable and facilitate the game that you'll be going through. You'll be working with those as a team of three. They perhaps won't have considered that, so how do you develop that? Um, core at your perhaps captain's toss, your players' briefings and those sorts of things, but generating that element of teamwork um, is a, is an under-considered part of refereeing um, that I, I believe is actually crucial. And if you can um, take the teamwork ethic that perhaps you've learned and developed as a player and in that team environment, then you can build that through as a, as a referee. But then you're also, of course, the referee team. Um, when you're in your societies or your federations or whatever it is you might do, when you get together as a group of referees, that can be a really effective team ethic and, and culture that you develop amongst your, your group of referees, perhaps your um, coaching pods or your little buddy networks, whatever it is you might have. Um, really important you get that sense of teamwork and you support each other and you listen to each other and you talk to each other um, and you develop off the back of that. So I think five is one of those things we don't consider and we really should think about more. So teamwork was our fifth. Um, attribute, if you like. Number six, empathy is a word that we came up with. Um, we need to understand as match officials what everyone else is out there is trying to achieve and be and, and empathise with them in doing that. Obviously, we've got to bear in mind the game that's in front of us, the way we apply the laws of the game as they're written for us to do, um, and everything else. Um, and the empathy that you might give um, is, is, is crucial and it will differ from perhaps age to age of players, from player skill to player skill level, perhaps even in, in within a game. The empathy you might give at the start of a game might be very different in one half to the, the empathy you might give at the end of a game. The playing conditions, the scoreline, the sa any safety elements that you might have in there, that sort of thing. You've got kind of got to have an empathy and an under it goes with the understanding. So what are the players trying to achieve? And you know, empathise with that. So again, something to consider. Seven, fairness. I mean, there's two elements to this, I think. One is um, understanding what's fair in the game, how the law is written. So there are some parts of law um, where fairness comes to um, a really comes to the fruition. Um, and one of the examples that uh, I've got for you to think about there is perhaps the knock-on where it goes into in goal. 
many players will still call for that to be a 22 if they if they touch it down. So a, an attacking player knocks it on, it goes into in goal, the defender touches it down. If you take those two apart, one's a knock-on, the result will be a scrummage at that point. The other part of that is a attacking player puts it into in goal and it's made dead by the defender. The outcome of that on its own would be a 22 dropout. But is it fair for a knock-on to result in a 22 dropout and then the ball being kicked some 50 metres up the field? Fundamentally, no, it's not fair, which is why the law is written that you can't do that. You need to look through it again, going back to um, point number two, is about understanding the law and what it's written for. So what are the fairness elements within there and how does that um, limit what we can do? The other thing is, is just the f general fairness and your approach to what is fair and what's not fair. Um, there are areas of grey in the law book, um, and what you interpret to be fair and what's not fair might might be differ. Um, and obviously, we've we've seen um, examples across the international rugby sphere and uh, top level rugby, which have blown up into the public domain um, of late, or certainly over the years, where um, perhaps what it's not written into law, but something might not be deemed to be fair, and you've got to make a judgment call as to how you referee that. For example, if you were to block a defender from making a tackle. Um, if the ball carrier or the ball doesn't touch you, there's nothing in law that says you need to stop play um, and, and, and do that. But you might make a decision that it's not fair on what you've done because of perhaps your mis misplacement or what's happened, the scenario has, has happened behind you, in front of you, and you've got in the middle of something, wasn't your fault, wasn't their fault, these things just happen. The fair angle might be, let's just stop the game, let's give an attacking scrum. So there's lots of different elements of what is fair, so whether it's a legal fairness and understanding what the law says um, and what you deem to be fair. Um, and I think as part of a, a, a mindset of how you approach refereeing and whether refereeing is for you, can you judge what is fair and reward players um, and in, in that way is obviously something to consider. So that's seven things. Um, the eighth thing we had was management and the ability to manage things loads of things about refereeing is about management and um, all the things we've just talked about so far are about management and you have to be able to figure out how to manage all that how to communicate all those things how to work with the teams that you've got with you whether it's the captains or the players the coaches the pack leader the, the, the people are getting um, agitated and, and perhaps um, feel they've been fouled or whatever it is it might be foul play against or whatever it might be um, how you manage those situations um, and understanding how those challenges will come in front of you and how you will manage is a really important thing to consider um, when making that choice whether to become a referee. If you know you're not a very good manager and you can't manage those high-profile, high-passion moments um, or those issues of confrontation um, or managing um, 16 players in a scrum to, to engage safely and do things like that, then perhaps it's not for you. But if you think you can manage the game, manage all the elements of the law book, the players, the, the game of rugby, the spectators and all those things that fall into um, the referee arena, then then it might be for you. And we want you to take that decision and get out on the park, get your whistle, get out there and manage the game. So that's our eighth attribute, if you like. Um, and nine, and perhaps one of the most important things once you're out there, is an understanding of safety. Clearly, player safety and player welfare is absolutely crucial to everything we do. We want players um, to enjoy their afternoon's rugby. We want them to go to work the following day. We want them to go home to their families in one piece. Um, and, safe. And, and rugby is a contact sport, so we need to understand what safety looks like 
how to manage its safety, how to recognise when things aren't safe, and then how you deal with them. Because it might not be covered in law. Um, there are things we can do to, to perhaps um, manage the safety of a scrum if we're not comfortable um, that it's a safe environment for the players, perhaps the, the weaker side to be involved in. And that's what we call uncontested scrums. Um, it's a really easy thing to say, but it's one of the hardest calls to make um, if they've got the numbers but they're just not up to it. That falls down to us as referees to, to take those big calls and it all comes back to the understanding of safety. Um, clearly there's lots and lots of conversations about head injuries and, um, and, and concussion and, and all those sorts of things. You have to have an understanding of what those things are. Um, I'm sure there'll be a, um, a head injury or a um, concussion management system in the country where you are. Um, if you can always look at it, if you want to, if you want some help finding that in your country, then let us know. Um, we'll happily find out for you. Um, if it's not in the public domain, we'll we'll get that information to you. Um, we'll actually cover it in depth in another podcast um, in the not too distant future. So that sort of thing is absolutely crucial. But it's not just that sort of things it's like ground safety um are there anything is there anything dangerous on the pitch um are the posts safe are the crossbars safe are the spectators cordoned off in a way that's safe for everybody um so all those things comes down to it because on the field once you enter the field um what, what, sorry once the the game starts and it's your responsibility to manage safety you're not not on your own Everyone else also has a, a, a duty of care and things like that as well. But fundamentally, um, it's it kind of part of our referee's responsibility to make sure things are safe and the game is, is played safely. So those are our nine things, nine attributes we think um, you should have before you decide to take up refereeing. Do you have a love of the game? Do you understand and appreciate the laws of the game? Do you understand the game itself and all its elements to it? Do you have fitness levels that are appropriate to the level that you're going to be refereeing or you want to referee at? Can you build and generate teamwork amongst the, the micro teams that you might be involved in on the game during an, uh, a game of rugby? Do you have empathy um, with the players and what they're trying to achieve? Fairness and understanding what's fair in law and what's fair um, just in normal game common sense and fairness perspective. Can you manage things in a way that will generate a good game of rugby and everyone enjoys themselves, including you? Um, and nine, an understanding of safety. So those are our top nine tips. Have we missed anything? Um, do let us know. Um, if you want to talk about any one of those nine things, um, feel free. And we hope if you are considering taking up the whistle, um, that those are a good nine things to check off your list. If you're already refereeing, you could use that nine as, a, as perhaps a checklist or a good reset list. Um, if it's your off-season, if you're about to start re-season training, perhaps to form the basis of an IDP, Individual Development Plan, or a season plan or something like that, that you might wish to pull together um, as you're thinking about the season that's um, on its way to us very soon. So those are our things. I um, hope you found that a, a useful run-through. Um, by all means, let us know if you disagree with any of that. If you think we've missed anything, we'd love to hear from you. Um, come and find us at rugbyreferee.net um, across all our social channels. Um, or drop us an email. Um, ref at rugbyreferee.net is a great way of finding us. Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from rugbyreferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, we'd also um, 
ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, about this podcast. This is the only rugby referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments. So please let us have them. Um, You can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyrefereenet, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over.